the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're in Romans chapter 3, and Paul is speaking about the righteousness of God, our justification, and our redemption. And this is great stuff because it's really the life's blood of the believer. These words mean something to us. Last week we left off on verse 21 of chapter 3, and that's kind of where we're going to begin today. You know, we Christians and religious folk, we have a vocabulary all our own, don't we? And we use words around unbelievers and non-Christians and they kind of scratch their head and they're wondering what we're talking about and, you know, what does all that mean? Words like righteousness and redemption and justification, they mean very little to the lost. I remember going to family reunions and one of the things I hated about a family reunion is that you'd have all of these older folks sitting around talking about Uncle Elmo and Aunt Joe and all of these people that are gone and all that they did and how they, you know, how they used to do this and that and you you can't relate because you had no relationship with these people. They have been gone for a long time. And you're wondering why it's even being discussed. Well, that's, you know, that's a kid. Well, these words are the same way. The lost can't possibly relate to them because they don't have a a relationship. These are not words from a dictionary per se. They're words that are about a person. Every one of them have their, their meaning, their value, their worth, their very definition in a person. Not in a book. I can read to a lost man what righteousness means. I can read to a lost man what redemption means. I can read to a lost man what justification means. But will it mean anything to him? Not likely. These are words that have their purpose in a relationship, not in a dictionary. And Christ illustrated every one of them, every one of these words in our lives. He made these words life to us. He gave them definition in His life. And they're real to us. Let's look at Romans chapter 3, verse 21 again. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been revealed, 
independently altogether apart from the law, although actually it is attested by the law and the prophets. You know, against the backdrop, we talked about this last week, but, you know, in the preceding verses, Paul spends a lot of time, a lot of ink, talking about the darkness of man, the sinfulness of man, the depravity of man, the hopelessness of man, the natural enmity between man and God, that state of darkness and sinfulness that God could not embrace. That was man's condition by birth and is by birth. It is not in behavior. Man was born in sin, singular. And because he was born in sin, singular, he had the Adamic life in him, that is sin. Because he was born in that, he committed sins. He was true to his nature. So therefore he was sinful. Against that backdrop of the depravity of man, Paul enters in with Romans chapter 3, verse 21. He also discusses before that verse about man's attempt to make himself righteous through the law. Man's attempt to make himself acceptable to God through his behavior and through the things he did, through his religious activity. And we still kind of do that today, don't we? We kind of hope God notices we came to church. We kind of hope that God noticed we did our daily bread or we read our Bible study or, or you know, we prayed the, you know, for a whole week. I prayed every night. And we tend to mark those things in our mind. We kind of hope God... You ever do the read the Bible through a year thing? I mean, you know, it, it, we believe that God, you know, God looks at all that and says, oh, there's my boy Todd reading through the Bible for a year. There he is, you know. Let me just move him up a little couple of pews forward here. and I'll move that boy, Ian, further back because he hadn't read his Bible in a week. No, God doesn't work like that. We're all front pew children because our righteousness is based in Christ. Well, Paul's telling the, he told the Jew, particularly the Jew, he says, you don't have righteousness based in what you do. Your righteousness doesn't work. It is self-righteousness. And it will not compare to my son. It is not worthy of me. So therefore, all have sinned. Against that backdrop, he says, But now, but now the righteousness of God, of who? Of God. Not the righteousness of Chris or Hannah or Andy or Rachel or or Anders or anybody else, but the righteousness of God has been revealed. Well, what? why not say the righteousness uh, through God or the righteousness of man because of God? Why did he say the righteousness of God? Well, remember he was talking to these legalistic Jews who believed that they had made for themselves a righteousness because of their following of the law. And he says that is a righteousness of the law. 
It is a righteousness of man, but now there is a righteousness of God, a righteousness that has its source in God, has God at its center, it is given of God, it is appropriated by God, are given by God, it is God's righteousness. You cannot have this righteousness apart from God. It's who He is. He says it's been revealed. And God reveals that man may appropriate only what he gives in this righteousness. As we said last week, this righteousness refers to the very character of God. He bestows upon us His character through the life of the Son. Righteousness is not the work of man. It is not the work of man. Righteousness is but an expression of the life of Christ. That's what it is. So when we say that I have, when I say to you that I have righteousness, that righteousness has been appropriated for me, it is the righteousness of God being manifest through the life of the Son who is righteous. Do you understand that? It means that it did not come from me, but yet it is a part of who I am because Christ is my life. Why is it important for us to understand that? Because it's important for us to know that we don't go out there and try to be righteous. We are not becoming righteous. We were created in righteousness. You were placed in union with Christ who is righteous. Now you recall in the Holy of Holies, nothing could enter the Holy of Holies save the priest once a year to make atonement. Once a year. Nobody else. Why? Because only the righteousness of God was good enough. Only the holiness and the perfection of God was good enough. Anything else tried to enter into that room, what happened? They fall dead. They couldn't come into it. I don't care if they had, had brought a hundred lambs and a hundred bulls. It didn't matter what they'd done to sacrifice for their sin. It was a matter of their condition, their nature, who they were apart from Christ. Because only the life of Christ would bring to us the righteousness of God and allow us to dwell in His presence. It's important for us to know that we don't need to make ourselves righteous. God has not given us a mandate through His Word to become righteous through works. He has made us righteous through His Son. And what a glorious revelation this is. The righteousness of God has become more to us than a religious phrase. It is now an expression of life. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he says, For our sake he made Christ virtually to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in and through him we might become endued with, viewed as being in, and examples of the righteousness of God, what we ought to be, approved and acceptable in right relationship with Him by His goodness. You see, righteousness is the life He imparts. The works of righteousness are the expression of that life. 
Now, this righteousness is apart from the law, from the work of man. It is not something to be earned, because it is life. And it is a glorious revelation to know that to be all that God created the new creation to be. All that He created you to be. Have you ever wrestled with that? I have. I mean, if you're a Christian, you should have a heart for Him. And if you haven't allowed the world to callous you up too much, you should literally be passionate before Him saying, Father, I want to live in the fullness of what You created me to be. Now, don't ever get into the the bad habit of which I was in, of praying, Lord, make me all that I need to be. You know why that's not good? Because you're complete in Christ. You are a new creation. He's already made you all that you need to be. What He needs for you to do is begin to live out of what He's given you, the life that He's given you. And I used to pray, Father, I want to live in the fullness of all that You've created me to be. And you know what? It's really simple. You say, oh no, it's not simple. But it is simple. Because all He created you to be, you already are. You're just coming into it. Every day you live upon the planet... Every day that you wake up and draw air has that singular purpose to chip away from all of the things that literally obscure your vision of what He created you to be. Everything that comes into your life, the job you take, the job you lose, the sickness that that hits your body, the death of a loved one, everything that comes into your life has that specific purpose and is a specific tool. You know, I'm amazed every time I go to the dentist. It seems like they get all kinds of new torture devices every time you walk in the door. There's all of these little hooks and pokes and needles and things. They've got a whole assortment. Well, that is your life. If you look at Ephesians 2.10, he says the good works. And in reality, what he says is he's created you for these works. He's literally made a path for you. And along these paths, God is literally working on you to reveal to you all that He's done in you. And each time that He chips a little bit of something away that that has obscured your vision from the truth that He's put in you, you know what happens? It's like a light bulb that's been painted with paint. You chip it off a little bit and, and guess what? A light comes through. A light comes through. And the interesting thing is, you don't really see it that well. But people around you will. People around you will see it. And you will know it. If you don't allow the enemy just to convince you otherwise, the truth is that every day you live, if you yield to the Lord, you will experientially grow in what God is revealing through you. You will experientially grow in it. The reality of it is, if you're complete in Christ, what has God got left to do? He's got to let you in on it. He's got to let you in on it. You're the one that doesn't know it. All of heaven looks down at you and sees the glory of God. They see God at work, God's life in you. They see the truth of you because the truth of you is before the throne of God. They see you with His eyes. And they're excited about you. I know you don't, you're not that excited, but they are. 
And they're excited about what life is bringing to you because, because when, when they do this, it's almost like watching the master at work, working a sculpture, and in each chip he, he's shaping and molding the true piece of work, the true art that's underneath. And they're anxious. I believe that they're anticipating it. It says that the whole of creation anticipates the revelation of the sons of God. Well, you know what? The sons of God are not just going to be made on that day. They're here now. They're all around me. The sons and daughters of God. And everybody, including creation, is anxious to see them revealed. Well, that was a little trip off the side. But you know what? It's the reality of us. It's the truth of us. We are to be examples, viewed as examples of His righteousness. What that means is that they see God. You remember Jesus when He walked along? He said, "He said, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. You remember when doubting Thomas, He said, show us the Father. He said, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. The thing is, everything that Jesus did, He did to reveal the Father. Well, does that mean he wasn't an individual? Does that mean they didn't have personality? Does that mean he was just a robot? That Jesus just walked around and in some kind of trance, doing only what the Father wanted him to do? Do you, do you get that vision of Jesus when you read the Gospels? No. What you get is you get Jesus walking in communion with the Father in absolute obedience, participating in all that the Father wanted Him to do. So He walks by the leper and He doesn't heal one. He walks by the next one and He does heal that one. He heals this blind man, but He doesn't heal that blind man. He doesn't act based on what He sees. He acts based on the will of the Father in all things. And that's the way you and I are supposed to act. That's the way you and I are to live. We're not robots. We're not tools. I hear that analogy being used. And that's another one. We're not just being used. We're not. Mike used to say, you use a shovel and how much joy are you getting out of that? We're not tools to be used. We're His children. We're coming alongside of Him. Being excited about the work that He's doing before us and with us and through us. Being to Him all that He created us to be. From the beginning. Romans 3.22 says, Namely, the righteousness of God, which comes by believing with personal trust and confident reliance on Jesus Christ the Messiah. And it is meant for all who believe, for there is no distinction. Paul makes the distinction of whose righteousness it is. It's God's righteousness. It's not to be separated from God. And this began by our believing in personal trust in God, our confident reliance upon Him. Because in growing in the Christian life, trust is a key factor. We've got to believe that God is getting us where we need to go. That it is not dependent upon us. I remember when we were growing up, we used to go on vacations. And back in the day before they started uh, gouging us on the gas prices, you know, everybody just loaded up in the car and went. You remember that? 
We all just drove and, and we would drive to the grandparents' house in another state or we would drive and visit relatives and we didn't stay at hotels, we were po. And we, we would stay with people we knew along the way. And the drive, these kids were always really excited about that. Now, parents weren't as excited, but we were excited about it. Looking out the window, asking lots of insane questions along the way. It was a lot of fun, fighting over the space. It was great. We had a good time. Well, here's the thing. We got into the car, and you could have asked us where we were going, and we would say to Grandpa's house. Well, that wouldn't tell you anything, would it? Did we really know the way to Grandpa's house? Did we really Do we really have a conception of how long that would be? We might be able to tell you what state they were in, but we didn't have a clue what that meant. We didn't know what we didn't know. But you know what? We got into the car happily because we had absolute trust and confidence in Dad to get us there. You see, the Christian life doesn't have to be so burdensome and so tied up with what you do. Many of us can name all the things that we need to do in order to grow spiritually, but we had to have a hard time naming at least two things that God does to make us grow spiritually. And i got to tell you, you are probably working more against the process than for the process. The reality is that spiritual growth is in the trust and confidence of the person of Christ. It's in that intimate relationship that you have with Him. You know, He's the one that sits down with you when you open up the Word of God and says, you know what, this is what this means to you right now. This is what this says to you right now. I don't care if I read the whole Bible in a year. I'd just like to have five or six of those. How about you? And that's what He wants. That's relationship. And we make this life so complicated, but it's not. We just need to have confidence in the one who is going to get us there. He's going to get us there. Now here's the thing. When I was little, sometimes I didn't want to go to the store, particularly the fabric store. You know what I'm talking about there. It's not a more boring place on the face of the earth than a fabric store. But anyway, that's my opinion. We would sometimes insist that we would not go, but we went. And we would be dragged in, and there would be much ado, much fight, much drama, which we would pay for, by the way. And, but you know what? It didn't matter how much fight we put into it. Guess what? We went. Now, it would have been a whole lot easier on us, even though we don't particularly enjoy the fabric store, if we'd had the maturity to enjoy our time with Mom. If we'd had the maturity to embrace her. But we were so bent on not going where life was taking us that we missed that time. Listen, God's going to get you there. It's time to enjoy your fellowship with Him. Sometimes it'll be Dairy Queen and ice cream or whatever, and sometimes it'll be the fabric store. But you don't need to fight Him the whole way. You need to enjoy Him and recognize that where He takes you is part of the revelation. It's part of His desire to grow you in truth. Well, that's how it is when we put our trust in Christ. We haven't a clue as to what He's going to do or what He's done. How many of us understood what Christianity was when we first entered into it? Very few of us. 
We knew that He had saved us, but many of us weren't even sure what that meant. In fact, the key thing that came into my mind was forgiveness and heaven. Those were the two key things that came into my mind. These other words meant nothing to me. But you know what? I cannot tell you how I came to understand His righteousness. I'm still learning it. I cannot tell you how I came to understand the truth of forgiveness. I'm still learning it. But I'm growing. You know, and the, and the broader and the deeper that understanding gets, the more joy and confidence and freedom it gives me. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? None of us really knew. But this verse speaks of a personal trusting in Him. You know, we can believe something to be true and have no personal connection with it. I mean, it can be just academic for us. And you know what? I believe many Christians attempt to live that way. If you ask them, they'll tell you who God is and what Christ has done for them. They'll tell you these these things, but they really don't have an intimate relationship with Him. They know about Him, but they don't truly know Him in the way He desires to be known. Lord, I need Your protection. Lord, I need Your wisdom. Lord, I need Your provision. Come close, but don't come too close. I can't enter into the throne room of God because I can't drag this baggage with me. I can't enter into the throne room of God because you won't accept me and I can't handle rejection. I can't enter into the throne room of God because I've already asked forgiveness for the sin once before and I know you're tired of hearing from me. I can't enter into the throne room of God because you'll see just what a sorry child I am. We know the truth of it, but that's our emotional perception. So we delay coming back to truth. I won't say coming back to Him because He's always there. We're in union with Him. Where do you think you're going to go? I mean coming back to truth and recognizing we're fighting Him all the way through the fabric store. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation, rest in His life moment by moment, and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.